Good evening and welcome back to Editing Aloud. I have with me, as always, a panel of South Africa's best and most well-informed journalists. In a week of, of real shockers, we've had um, last week's announcement of the Cabinet and fresh on that announcement, we get the shock of South Africa's latest economic growth numbers, or rather not growth. Samantha, minus 3.2% in the first quarter. Is this the kind of Cabinet that can get us out of it? Well, yes, it was it certainly was a shocking number. And I mean, in particular, agriculture and manufacturing were the hardest hit. Um, look, only time will tell whether the Cabinet is going to be able to, to help us get out of this quagmire. But we do have some positive signs. I think there's a renewed um, effort with the combination of economic development and trade and industry on industrial policy. There are some plans to develop sector, sector plans for not only just the existing ones, which is automotive, as we know, clothing and textiles, but to extend those. So if we can actually implement our policies, our existing policies, and come up with sensible new policies, we may see some traction, but it's not going to be easy. TJ, minus 3.2% quarter on quarter, which gives us actually 0% for the year, or even a slight minus, making this potentially a negative year. Now, how does it get that bad, and how did economists not see this one coming? Well, I, I think uh, on the ground, anecdotally, you'll see the economy is not growing, and I think economists, they have models and they, they build it out. So, I mean, that might be a reason why they were a little bit off. But the other reason is it gets a little bit amplified because you have a quarter-on-quarter -quarter number that you then have to annualize. So you times it by four, basically. So the quarter-on-quarter -quarter would be minus 0 0.75. But to get it to an annual number, you just times it by four. Or, well, it's very simplified. So I, I might sound stupid. I might get a lot of tweets from other economists, but that's it. So I say other economists, from economists. <laughs> so if it's even a little bit worse than expected, times it by four, annualized, and you get a, a yes. much worse. Yes. But nonetheless, I mean, even if we look at the year-on-year -year number, Sikonati, I mean, it's looking at zero for the year. Now, surely that is a train smash. Let's make it worse and say the population is already growing at 2%. Per annum. Now you ask the question, is this the cabinet? And I'm so sorry that Samantha is this optimistic. I'll tell you, we've got totally the wrong cabinet. First, we were promised a massive cut. Uh, Ramaphosa only got rid of six ministries and matched them and keeping the, the back office staff or, or the civil servants behind them. And then Samantha is talking about uh, Ibrahim Patel being the trade and industry minister to, to reignite growth. He's a communist who hates business. He thinks you're all there to, to really uh, mess up the country. So it's not going to work. A country that wants to grow rolls out the red carpet to investors and they are not ashamed of the word profit and capitalist. We don't have that. We have Tulas Nlesi, minister of employment. What on earth is that? And, and that is Tulas Nlesi, the minister of Firepool in the Jacob Zuma era. So I'm afraid we have again shot ourselves in, the, in both feet. Uh, and that was even before Ace Mahashule and his Reserve Bank people dual mandate yesterday. So, yes, welcome to junk status. Genevieve, mm. mm. is, is Sikonati being unjust? And Sam, I'll have to give you a, a right of reply here. But Genevieve, is Sikonati being unjust about our brand new cabinet with 34 deputy ministers and only 28 ministers? Not really. Um, let's face it, politics 
um, was the winner in this one. And someone put it to me earlier this week, Cyril Ramaphosa has a lot of political bills to pay. I agree. I don't think Ibrahim Patel is the right person to um, lead DTI and economic development. Um, but again, it was then the, the Communist Party, the alliance partners, they needed to sort of curb what they call the neoliberal views of Tito and Boweni. And so we put EP there. The same with Tulis and Lacey. You need the union supported Cyril. They supported him from ahead of Nasdaq. They were one of the first ones to come out and endorse him. So you need a unionist in a portfolio that can rally those sectors to support you. So again, it's not really about the country in a way. I think it is more about politics and making sure that everyone's happy because politically we're going to NGC next year. Cyril needs the support. And there are a lot of faces people. Still Do we there. have enough people who might be focused on growth? Because certainly the promise is we're focusing on growth and jobs. And if nothing galvanizes people into action, minus 3.2% should surely. And coupled, of make course, with our very high unemployment rate. Yeah. I mean, Sam. Is, are, you, are you being unjustly... <coughs> no, I don't here? think so. But I, and I would also agree with Sikonati and Genevieve around the cabinet. And it was disappointing that it wasn't cut more. Um, and I also was intrigued by the deputy ministers, the mm -hmm. double deputy ministers, that I would have expected you could potentially justify two deputy ministers, say DPE, because of the amount of work they have, or possibly even a treasury because of the kind of critical nature of that of that department, but the, those are not the departments that got mm -hmm. double deputies. I think we must also just keep, you know, Cyril Ramaphosa did basically say, though, that this isn't, this was the start of the reconfiguration. And you can't do a wholesale cut right at the beginning. Again, the unions have this big issue about job losses. So you have to sort of, I guess it has to be done incrementally. And I also think that Jen, some of those I'm, deputy I, I, ministers... Excuse me, I believe you are being too optimistic, <laughs> unnecessarily so. <laughs> Cyril is not new in the government. Yes. Been there as deputy uh, president of the country for the past five years. And in that time, he's seen exactly what works and does not work. Uh, well, let, let's just say he has not seen what works because nothing has been working. So he's seen what doesn't work. You can't just, you say you, can, you need to do it step by step. You've had five years and has been president for about 18 months. And this is no time for experimentation and taking it step mm. by step. We are in a crisis. 40% of the people of this country are unemployed. Even more will be unemployed with, with, with this kind of growth. The, the, the brains and the, the attitude that we had when we created this crisis is what we still have today. Can it fix the crisis? Absolutely not. I agree, but that's when I said the politics. But is if what's it's the actually... politics, then we're never going to get out of this. If the politics are driving uh, cabinet appointments instead of the economy and the need to grow the economy, then... And the needs of the people. Yeah, then we're never going to get out of it. TJ so. Stratum, I'm going to let you in here. Wholesale privatization. Wholesale privatization. <laughs> Let's not go there quite yet. Wow. But one, I mean, part of the clutching at straws to get us out of mm. what's potentially another sort of recession um, is the Reserve Bank. So Interesting, yes. it feels like it's like Groundhog Day, you know, again, the mandate. The Reserve Bank must um, yes. add growth and employment to its mandate of stability. Mm. Well, so number one, is this the solution to our growth problems? And number two, where the hell does this come from yet again? Well, if the Reserve Bank is the solution, then we've got a bigger problem 
than we think. I mean, what does the Reserve Bank do? They have a few levers to pull, so it's the interest rate, that's it. Um, I mean, the, the talk of uh, quantitative easing is, that's bizarre. That's something you use when the interest rate is zero already and you have no other tools. So, I mean, that, it just tells you that the, the debate around it is not that informed at the moment. Um, I'd say, hell, the Reserve Bank may be a bit conservative. Yes, there are a few times that they could have cut the interest rate. But again, not, not to create jobs. I mean, I think we've had lower interest rates without full employment in this country. And yeah. indeed we have, in fact, as, as a couple of people have pointed out, 10 years ago when Praveen Gordon was, was first appointed finance minister, we had this exact debate. Mm -hmm. And Praveen Gordon wrote a letter in 2010 to the then Saab governor, Reserve Bank governor, Jill Marker, saying, dear governor, please take into account growth and employment when you make your monetary policy decisions. I mean, why don't we just copy and paste and do that again? I mean, Genevieve, what is the politics here and why can't we just go back to the letter? The Reserve Bank mandate already is a flexible mandate that includes it. What is the issue here? This is politics, surely this not economics. This is definitely politics. Mm -hmm. So and what again, is the politics It's there? that proxy battle between the pro Sol Ramaphosa camp, the cleanup, the cleanup crews they call them, and then the former pro Zuma camp. Now I guess more around a Smagashule, the Saxon world Shabin. Um, because this debate kind of look, they they say they spoke about it in Mangung. I went back and looked at the Mangung um, resolutions from the 2012 conference. There was nothing about the Reserve Bank in those resolutions. And they keep saying, and in their resolution from NASRIC, they say, going back to 2012 resolution, we come back to the... But there's, there is no mention of the Reserve Bank in 2012. So this sort of popped up, especially in the run-up to NASRIC. You had people like, at that time, Mzonele um, Mani, who was working for the Gups at the time, very vocal about it. And that, um, that was about nationalisation or about the mandate? Well, because it was nationalisation, now it's the mandate. Exactly. There, there's also, there's confusion... Mm -hmm. People don't actually know what's what because yesterday Ace Magashili makes this statement about expanding the mandate. But no, we don't. Then they ask, well, are you, going to, are you saying that we need to amend the constitution? Because even adding to the mandate surely needs a constitutional amendment. He goes, no, 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 no constitutional amendment. We're happy with the Saab. Well, then why are you talking about the mandate? And he, there's like and, this, and this junction. And then after all of this and everyone's up in a tiz about it, we have Enoch Gorangwana, who is the subcommittee head for economic transformation, having to backtrack on ACE's comments and go, no, 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 this wasn't discussed. Tito Mbaweni, also up in arms. I'm not sure why people don't go back and look but, at the Constitution. Oh. The Constitution actually says, in the interest of balance and sustainable growth, that actually yeah, does, so it does have to say, growth. you know, price stability, but look at growth. And Sikonati, I mean, this kind of politics around the Reserve Bank, is this welcome to junk status? I mean, how dangerous is this from a, a rating agency investor sentiment point of view? There's a country not far from here. Uh, it's the Republic of Zimbabwe. It had exactly this mandate that is Mahashule wants. Print all the dollars you want and we'll take the money and pay off our debts. That's the, the radical economic transformation slash Saxon world shipping economics at play here. That's what we are going to get. Now, it's even worse that uh, 80 people attend a meeting of the National Executive Committee and then they come out with different uh, uh, interpretation 
or even the agenda is different, yet they were attending the same meeting. So I had to ask Titombe Weni, why are you guys still pretending you are, you are one in the same organization? Mm. Were you even in the same meeting? It's worse that they cannot agree what they discussed. Even worse that they, they cannot agree what they agreed on in the meeting. Now publicly they are, all, they are all trying to have a meeting yet again about the Reserve Bank. They have not a clue what they are talking about. And this is a, a fight back by the radical economic transformation representing Jacob Zuma and his people. The people that radically transformed the pockets of the Gupta family, they are now uh, trying to win back because th this is how you destabilize Cyril Ramaphosa. In fact, make him fail and then blame him for the failure, as Justice mm -hmm. Malala put it. You, you, you create, you sow enough doubt, uh, create havoc in the markets and say, Mr. President, you have failed. Before you came in, we, we were growing at 1%. We are now in a recession. Jane, we've got a, a minute to go. I just wanted to ask you mm -hmm. and... and Impact on the markets and on investment sentiment. Um, we saw, let me ask TJ, and yeah. we'll come back to you, Jane. Yeah, so we saw a bit of a move in the, in the rand yesterday, but uh, I think these kind of pronouncements aren't taken that seriously anymore. That's, I think that's the scariest thing. I mean, if, if, this, if this was from a platform where you thought it would actually happen and happen soon, the rand would tank on the day. It would be 10 or 15%, but it's just not taken that seriously anymore. And the other big news of the week was um, CEOs walking out of the public sector. We've lost the ESCOM CEO, Pakamani Khadebe. We've lost the South African Airways CEO, Buyani Jahana Sikonati. What chance do we have of turning around the SOEs if nobody wants to work there anymore? Hilary, even the Black Management Forum said, please, black people, don't apply for those positions yesterday. Now... Those are great thinkers, am I right? Black Management Forum, they really are the best people you can find. Even they say, don't touch those jobs anymore. What chances do we have? South African Airways was established in 1923. All the governments, all of them, have been trying to make it work and failed. ESCOM was established 96 years ago. All the governments in South Africa, be they apartheid, colonialism, imperialism, <coughs> and uh, democracy, have failed. Now you've been trying for 96 years to make these companies work, and you think you're still going to succeed in 2020, <coughs> 2019? I'll tell you, there's only one constant in all these companies. There's a shareholder that has never changed. And that is the problem. That is the government. wanted wholesale <coughs> privatization. Make us I, the case. I just, I I just mean... floated it. I don't necessarily want <laughs> that. But, I mean, I, I think if there's a way to get, to get private partners involved in many of the SOEs where they'd want to be involved, I think that's the way to go. But that would have to come with some management uh, and, and, a, and a lot of things with that. So, I mean, ideally, you'd, you'd split SAA into different parts. You take what was, I mean, I haven't seen the numbers recently, but what was usually a profitable part of the business, Mango, you'd split that out, sell that, use that to recapitalize uh, SAA in some sense. Um, locally, you don't let SAA fly at all. You let SAA be a certain routes national carrier, and those are strategic routes. They might be profitable, they might not be, but at least you don't, you don't aim for profit. You say, we have to have flights going to Beijing, we are willing to pay for it, to that's what we need to do. I beg to differ. You've only had one shareholder for 85 years. You've had thousands of good people 
including the guys who have just left, this minister and the previous ministers and the future ministers will fail if the shareholder is still the same. The problem is not people unable to run the companies. The problem is the shareholder. Look at the example of Telcom. Perfect. The government sits at the government offices and let professionals run the business and pay dividends and taxes. South African always don't know what a tax is. They don't know what a dividend is. Because you've got a shareholder that think they know better. And that has been the case for 85 years. You can split it into three companies. You will be creating three different streams of management. Very expensive. What you need is get out the politicians. That's not a government department. I actually am arguing that case in Business Day in a column I wrote today. That's not a government department. It is a business. If you cannot make it a business, get out. Uh, Comair has been making profits for 71 years, flying the same routes. Uh, Tell me what's so, what's, what's so difficult. The only problem is the government owning shares 100%, interfering and appointing people when it knows but absolutely Comet nothing. too. There's a CEO going vacant. We have a Comet CEO yes. who's just... Uh, he has had his fill. He has made dividends and paid, uh, he has paid <laughs> taxes. He has paid taxes and everything. Now he's like, thank you. Actually, okay. seven years ago, Comet said... Oh, we'll happily run South African Airways for you. He did. Actually, Eric Fenter did say that on his way. As he but do, but do you think that, um, yes, I can see your point for SAA, but ESCOM, would you want that in private hands? Yes, absolutely. What about man, uh, companies that manipulate energy markets? He, he, there are companies that manipulate everything. I'm going to give Genevieve a chance here to come in. I mean, the politics are such that, I mean, we, we, can, we can fantasize about privatization, but it's not going to happen. So what what is the solution to the sort of politics of the SOEs that are driving CEOs out or causing the appointment of all the wrong CEOs? I mean, is there any movement on that, Jenny? Not that I know. I think the issue, it's a broader issue, and it comes back to what we spoke about earlier and everything, is implementation. This government cannot implement. We haven't been able to implement majority of policies for 25 years. What, I just, I, I don't know politically what, I don't know what the what the, what the thing is about holding on to these SOEs. But also, I don't know, maybe the business writers can, can talk about this, but why would someone, you want to partly privatise some of these SOEs, but who's going to buy or come in or put money into something that's broken? And I think, look, Pravin Gordon did say this when he addressed the SAA staff last year when there was all those rumours that they wanted to sell. Who goes into a shop and buys a shirt full of holes? If you get it at a good price, you will. It Which depends, is the, or if you get it for nothing and yeah. take on the day. But yeah. Jenny, I'm looking for upside here because otherwise mm. we're going to talk ourselves into a deep depression. <laughs> so I, I as, as you did, went to the South African Revenue Service, the new commissioner, Edward Kiesvetter's maiden media conference, <laughs> if you like, yesterday, which I thought was quite encouraging. I mean, Genevieve, what did you take away from, from Ed Kiesvetter's first outing at SARS? Absolutely. I quite, I quite like him. He's quite relaxed and quite informal. And there's no, I get the impression that there's no airs and graces about him. But he's also, you get the sense he's very methodical. He's going through everything step by step slowly. And he said himself, we need to slow things down in order to fix them and look at them properly because we can't afford to make mistakes. And I actually spoke to him afterwards and he was saying, yes, it's great. There's a Nugent Commission and recommendations, but he, he can't say, oh, Nugent says paint, and he used this analogy, paint the wall white and so he paints the wall white. He needs to look at 
why did Nugent say paint it white? Is white really the right colour? So I, it sort of gives a bit of hope to what's happening. You know, he says he's been meeting staff. He's met 60% of the staff individually without the exco so that they can talk to him. He says by Monday, 80%. He would have met with 80%. Um, he talks about spirits being broken. He's been quite honest about the states. I guess we all know what the state of SARS was. Um, so, yeah, I, I've got a positive feeling about what that SARS can maybe come back to its... And it is about morale, isn't it? I mean, Sikonati, isn't, isn't, isn't this one of the key issues must be now in all the public entities? The spirits must be pretty broken everywhere. I, I, I know quite a few people uh, who would not like to be to say in public that they work for these state-owned entities because honestly they are an embarrassment a lot of the time. And this is, you, you need people, uh, fresh eyes like uh, Kisvet, of course he's not really fresh, he's worked there before. You need people whose hearts are in the right place and people who know what they are doing, but not only that, how to get it done. So there is hope, he's talking about uh, raising uh, SARS revenue 10% <coughs> and, and I, I know some things are a great number. No, I was saying no, that, that no. is the target which the finance minister set I think for SARS. Unrealistic this year. Do you think it's number. completely unrealistic? <laughs> I think it's completely unrealistic. Sam, I mean, is do you th that that's the February target that, that given, uh, the I mean, finance given minister the set GDP for them. Figures, no matter how much compliance you have or how how you, tax morality improves, the economy is not growing and people are getting retrenched. You know. So not what does it mean for the I budget if we get another huge shortfall this year? Because we had a pretty massive one last year. I actually think it's a very achievable number because it's not because of the economy that uh, the revenue ha has dipped. It's because no one was collecting it. So you just need one or two high-profile uh, raids on on companies and 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 on the on the people uh, illicit uh, trade. These are the people that have not been paying tax. Once, when you dismantle to the large business centers, you, you said to people, okay, it's fine, you don't need tax. Now, you, you just get two or three of those British American tobacco to fix its taxes and the other tobacco uh, companies that are not even paying tax. You get them right, you've got your number. Okay, well, and, then you and then you concentrate on the. <laughs> so see. what you need is the stick. Which which SARS lost and the skills surely to 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 definitely out who's so getting th this is highly yeah. achievable, particularly the low base to which we have fallen over the past four years. TJ, oh, speaking good. of you know compliance, <laughs> Tongat, Tongat Hewlett, we've had, what is this another Steinhoff? What the hell is everyone wants to call Tongat everything Hewlett. another Steinhoff, and it's, it's Steinhoff has become South Africa's Enron. And the, the funny thing is Enron. Is gone, but Steinhoff is still there. So it's uh, it's interesting that, that Steinhoff is this byword for for everything. I mean, Tongat uh, announced that there could be a three and a half to four and a half billion rand discrepancy on the equity numbers for their results in 2018. So they're going to have to restate them. Um, I mean, what that means, and it, it's all about valuations of the cane and valuations of assets it's so it's it's this TJ, it's sort of this recurring thing what they are they I say past practices mm. which means deliberate mm. past practices by management steinhoff called it uh, uh, financial accounting uh, irregularities uh, 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 yes. which actually turned out to be fraud so let's let, let's go ahead and say there possibly is 
fraud mm. in the accounting at mm. Chongat the as there was as there yes. was in Steinhoff. Now please continue, my dear friend. Sikonati Financial Mail this week has two has a number of articles on Tongat. I mean, have you got to the bottom of what actually happened? No, it's gonna take it's going to take time. So so the, the issue here uh, 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 when they talk about valuation, do you actually the, the stem, the sugar cane growing, what price do you put to it? That, 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 that's the thing. But at Steinhoff, it seems, uh, sorry, at Tongat, it seems there was a deliberate uh, misrepresentation of facts. When you have agreed on a deal to sell this piece of land, you immediately recognize that mm -hmm. as revenue before you get the money. So, so it's things like that and, and many more. And, and the sense announcement states clearly, it says past practices inflated the value and Sam, also the fact yeah. that Deloitte, who has been Tongat's auditor for 15 years, has moved off some of the people who were working on the Tongat account. So when I say moved off, I'm not saying that they were, have been asked to leave, but they've got a new team now working suspended on... Them. I don't know if they've actually been suspended. They've rotated um, them. But they've rotated them, yes, including yes. the team leader, as far as I believe, on the Tongat account. And as we know, PwC was also brought in to kind of have a look and this is where a lot of this is now coming just out. like Steinhoff yes and I mean Tongat as we know was a very successful property company I mean sugar at one point <coughs> their property division was much more profitable than sugar um, and as Sikha says they are have been booking income on land sales that they hadn't actually received so yes we should call it what it is so in other words I mean and, and how does this I'm, how does this look for the country because is there reputational risk as it for South Africa Inc. and its very highly regarded auditing standards and financial markets and so on. I think there's. No, I mean, I think if we sort it out, then someone someone sits behind bars or gets disbarred. Or, I mean, then then it's actually a good thing. Handling it well is a good thing. But I think but, we let the private yeah. sector off the hook way too much. Again, we've all forgotten about KPMG, obviously. Speak this isn't the sense. first. This isn't the first time Deloitte has come under scrutiny, and then you just shift people around, and we must all be like, okay, we sort it out and we move on. I'm going to leave it there. That's all we have time for, unfortunately. But please join us again next week for another very exciting edition of Editing Aloud.